0: thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church podcast. In these episodes you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you go to lifechurchnow.org hey today we're kicking off a brand new series. We're calling it Eight Hills. Um, the band Green Day from the 90s, you might know who the band Green Day was from the 90s in their in their song they have a song called 21 guns. They they ask a question. They pose a question. Do you know what's worth fighting for? Do you know what's worth fighting for? Like not everything, I mean, I don't even know what Green Day meant by that in terms of their opinion of it. but, But one thing we understand is not everything in life is worth fighting for. Certainly not everything in life is worth dying for. And so we're kicking off this series called Eight Hills. It's about our, our values here at Life Church. We, we do this on a regular basis, actually, we kind of circle around about every two to three years to discuss our values, it's particularly for those who are new to Life Church, but also for those of us that are part of the family to just remind ourselves of the things that we think are, are most important. This series is a way of us saying, This is who we are. These are the things that we're passionate about. These are the things that we are willing to fight for. To say yes to and and no to a whole bunch of other things. In fact, the subtext of this one says, some things are worth dying for. And so we're saying to ourselves, these are the things that are worth fighting for. They're even even things worth dying for. Now, more than just mushy, feely, kind of, you know, words or sentiments or ideals this is an expression of who we are and when i say we i'm not talking about life church as an organization i'm not talking about the 501c3 that we are you know the irs designation that we are i'm not talking about this building i'm talking about you and i i'm talking about this community that we are these are the things that we value these are the things that we uphold these are the things that we're fighting for kind of reminded of a one of my heroes of the faith, uh, Jim Elliott. I actually have a picture here. Jim Elliott It's kind of a fuzzy picture, but you see it. This is uh, Ed, uh, um, I can't remember his last name. Ed and Pete Fleming and Jim, Jim Elliott and then two others. These uh, five missionaries um, were missionaries to the Alka Indians in the 1950s uh, in South America. And, um, and they, they eventually, as missionaries, they eventually would lose their life um, uh, attempting to bring the gospel to the Elka Indians. He was only 29 years old. Now, Jim Elliott, there's journals, his wife Elizabeth Elliott has written, uh, has published his journal, plus, has posed a lot of books, a story. Um, Jim Elliott was, was a bright, shining star when he first gave his life to Christ. He was known as somebody who, who could change the world. That's how people around him thought. They thought of him as somebody that was just going to, you know, I mean, he could be a doctor. He could be be an engineer. He could impact the world in a very significant way. But then when he loses his life at the age of 29, the commentary surrounding that, when that happened, 1956, um, the commentary was a wasted life. Like there was so much that he could have done, and yet here he is at at 29 years old. He loses his life. And it's a waste, the world has lost so much by him not being with us any longer. What's interesting is that six and a half years earlier in his journal, he wrote these words, I think prophetically penned these words, he is no fool, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. There are things in this life worth fighting for. Even dying for. And yet, what I think oftentimes is our story, and I'm not talk, talking about necessarily outside, only outside, sometimes even within the church, is that we invest so much of our life, so much of our energy into things that are eventually gonna perish. Eventually, we will not take them to heaven with us, they don't have everlasting effect. Jim Elliott understood this, and that's where I think these words came from. He understood that there are only a few things in life that are worth fighting for. There are only a few things in life worth giving your life for. And so he decided to get rid of the things that had no eternal value and hold on to the things that transcend our mortal lives. And this is really what this series is all about. And so if you're new to Life Church, this is probably a good time for you to be here and kind of hear about the things that we're passionate about. If you're a regular, you've heard this before, but you're going to hear it again <laughs> because I think it's important that we get reminded of it. You'll see if you walk down the hall there, you see our eight values along the, along the hall in, in the, um, going towards the bathrooms. And it's more that those are more than just uh, nice words on a wall. It's the things that we have, it's a culture that we have tried to build around here. I think it's important that we we talk about it from time to time. So, we're going to look at today our first value, which is biblical truth. And you need to know that it's not accidental or coincidental that that's our first value. It's by intention. It's why when you walk in through the door, and you see the, those posters with the values on our wall going towards the bathroom. The very first one says biblical truth. It's the first value that you'll see on our website biblical truth. And this is how it goes the Bible presents a dangerous message of life change. I've been asked over time, eight, last 18 years since we started a life church, why we use the word dangerous. Like, really? Come on. If you're a Christian, it shouldn't be dangerous, you know? God's word is not dangerous, and yet one of the things you know—if you—if you've—if you've ever tried to swim, say, against the current, ever been caught in a rip tide, and 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 you're doing everything you can to get back to shore, but it's just pulling you out to sea, like it's just—it's a lot of—it's—it feels like you're struggling. There are many. Many things in scripture, many demands that Christ has of us as followers of him that sometimes feels like we're swimming against the current. And it can feel dangerous. Maybe the word is a little bit dramatic to use the word dangerous, but it can feel dangerous in terms of our, our common relationships outside, of, outside in the workplace. It can feel dangerous in terms of our livelihood. Because it's a message of Transformation. It's a message of rejecting what this world has to say you should be, and embracing what God says you should have to be, and that's what makes it somewhat dangerous. So we, the Bible, presents a dangerous message of life change. We believe the Bible is God's inerrant truth, and it's the foundation of everything we do. I love God's Word. I've spent the better part of my life studying this book, and it has changed me. It has impacted me. But let me tell you something. It's more than just knowing what's in this, in this book. It's more than just knowledge. There's a lot of people walking around with a lot of Bible knowledge. It's more than just sitting in a Bible study and, you know, sharing with one another how much you know about the Bible. It really is the application of God's truth that really matters in life. So I'm kind of more inclined to say, hey, yeah, it's fine that you know all that stuff, but how are you applying it? How are you living it out? And that's really what this idea is of this value that we have. It's, it's how are you applying, how are you living out the truth of God's word? Jesus is gonna talk about this a little bit in a very familiar parable. You, you may have grown up singing this parable in, in, in church, if you grew up in church. Uh, this parable comes at the very end of his probably most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes some incredible challenges and claims. I mean, some really, he raises the bar in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. He says things kind of really, really powerful things. He says, if somebody angers you, if somebody angers you, turn the other cheek. Like normally, normal people want to like right hook them, you know, like Got me angry. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, don't do that. Instead, turn the other cheek. He says, I want you to be extraordinarily generous. Like generosity is not necessarily a value in our, this world, world's culture that we're in. We're much more about greed, much more about me, 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 me. Jesus wants to flip that around. He says, look, I want you to be incredibly generous. And so when somebody asks you, of, asks you for something, just give it to them. I can just see, I have this mental image of the people sitting on that mountainside watching Jesus as he's talking and these very incredible statements he's making. And they're sitting around taking notes like, okay, uh, turn the other cheek, that's going to be hard. Uh, generosity, well, okay, that's a good one. And then he says this, he says, <laughs> I want you to forgive no matter what. They're like, forget it. They just t- toss the notebooks like, forget it. I'm not going to do that. Like, who, who, who does that? Who forgives like that? Like, Jesus, are you serious? Do you even know what you're saying? He's like, just forgive. He says, I want you, here's something he does. I want you to pursue the people who have wronged you until, un- until everything is made right. He doesn't say... I want you to pursue the people you have wronged. He says, I want you to pursue the people who have wronged you. Like, you might be completely innocent, but I w- I'm going to put it on you. I want you to pursue them. He says, I want you to treat everybody the way you want to be treated, even your enemy. In fact, let me, just, let me just make this even harder. Pray for your enemies. <laughs> Like we're hearing Jesus say, yeah, I want you to treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Like, yeah, I could do that, my friends and stuff. Even your enemies, oh, well, all right, Lord, I'll try. Pray for your enemies. What? Are you kidding me? That's too hard. How do you pray for your enemies? There's something that happens. This is not my sermon. There's something that happens when, when we take these words seriously and we start actually praying for our enemies that God does something in our heart towards them. And so, anyway, this is what he does. So, Jesus raises a standard. And I think that we hear these words, and especially 2,000 years removed, we hear these words and we're like, ah, man, those are wonderful Sermon on the Mount. Love that Jesus said these things, but I don't know if we can really do all that. I'll try to do one or two of them. Like, he raises a standard, right? And it causes us to to reflect, if I were that generous, if I were that ethical, if I were that moral, I mean, my life would be completely different. And maybe that's the point, but here's the thing, is I don't know that I can do that. I I don't know that I can forgive no matter what. I don't know that I can be that generous. I don't know that I can, and so this launches Jesus into this parable that we're going to look at. And so I'm going to tell you up front the point of the parable, in case we run out of time and I don't get to the to the end, because um, you know Chris took so long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not even in the room. I have to do that one next week, next 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 service. Um, the point of the parable is this: <clears throat> you will never you will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. And this is a Pretty bold statement. You, you, you will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. Now, some of you are shaking your head because you've, been, you've lived this life for some time. You're like, yeah, I've experienced that. Others of you are like, mm, I don't know about that, you know. I mean, as difficult as it is, as counterculture as that might feel, You will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. God's word becomes the filter by which we make decisions in life. Now I know what we do, because I've done it. What we do is, okay, there's the big ones. Those are the ones that we, okay, God, Lord, do you want me to, you know, that's the stuff that we do. All these other little ones, I kind of just do on my own. Yeah, I, I got it, I got this figured out. But what, this value is trying to say, what we're trying to say with this value is, what we're tr- is, is that we use God's word as the filter by which we make every single decision in life. Who you date, how you do your money, how you do your relationships, how you relate to co-workers, how you handle your mouth and what you say. We allow God's word to be the filter for how we do all of those things. And so as we're going to see in this parable, it's not... It's not because Jesus you know, wants to mess with your life. <laughs> I think sometimes we have that opinion of God, like there's all these rules in the Bible, and he's just trying to mess with me. And it's not really that. Is it? He loves you too much, and he actually knows what's best for you. And I hope you hear that. I hope you understand that. That's a that's a point of view. It's a way of understanding Scripture, not as rules to be followed, but as a, a, a loving father who's guiding us through life? That's really what the Bible is. And that's why we've chosen to organize our life around the teachings of Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 24, it kicks off with this parable. He says, therefore, and he's using his transition word because he just finished the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. Again. It's not enough that you know the stuff. It's actually doing the stuff that's important, right? Like he's, he's saying, you've got to do something. It's about obedience. It's about a lifestyle. Jesus is basically saying, I'm calling you to a brand new lifestyle, a brand new way of living, a brand new way of doing life. I remember Sermon on the Mount touches on a whole lot of different issues. So Goes on, So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. This is Jesus' way of saying that if you organize your life around my teachings, you're genius. Especially if you do it in faith, like you're not exactly sure where that's going to lead you to. You're smart. You're very wise. Now, when Jesus says this little phrase, a man who builds his house on a rock... His audience is like, well, duh. I mean, who? Of course you build your house on a rock. Of course you make sure that when you build your house, you're building it on something solid. Who would who would build their house on anything else than, the, than a rock? That's how they're thinking. And Jesus is like, Yes, it's right, I know. Like this is common sense stuff. And so Jesus is about to tell a story of a guy who wants to build a house, and this guy decides, I'm gonna build my house on a solid rock foundation. And again, the audience is listening. They're like, yeah, this is common knowledge. that We, we understand this. We know that there's, you know, if we're going to do this, there's going to be a lot of time required. And it's, there's going to be a lot of expense involved. We know that this is, it might be troublesome. There might be some things that we have to do that's going to be very difficult. But we understand this because we want this house to be built on a solid rock foundation. So that when... Things start shaking, the house stands, right? So, Jesus in this parable basically compares obedience to Him to building a house on a solid rock foundation. When you make the decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to organize my life around your teachings, imperfectly right now because I, I have a lot of things that I have to work through, but I'm going to be on a regular basis saying, Lord, help me with this, help me with this area of my life, help me with my, in my relationship with my, my wife or my husband, help me with my kids help me do what's right, as I navigate that, it's like building a house on a solid rock foundation is what Jesus is saying here, right? And it's just plain old common sense, It's smart, right? Verse 25, and so if you do this, Jesus says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Every time I read this, I'm thinking about that little Sunday school song, (laughs) Remember that? I'm not even going to try because you're going to laugh at me at singing. But anyways, that little Sunday school song, right? The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because, why did it not fall? Because it had its foundation on the rock. And here essentially what Jesus is saying, and you don't need me to tell you this, but life doesn't always go as planned. Life doesn't always go as planned. People are going to break their promises to you. He's not always going to be what you expected him to be. Your kids may or they may not turn out okay. Your career may go the way you expected or may not go the way you expected. You may have thought, hey, you know what, I'm okay. I'll never, I'll never hear the C word. I'll never hear the cancer word in my life see, life is just life. It happens. We have little control oftentimes with life. Like we can't, you know, some of you are experiencing this right now. Globally, we're experiencing this recession. And we could curse all kinds of people in the past, but you can't control that. It's happening. It's happening. So the question is, is your foundation solid or not? That's the question. So Jesus says, listen, I love you, and in this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. You're going to have a lot of trouble. When trouble comes, and everything gets shaken, and that house gets shaken, or let me use the word I'm using, your life gets shaken, because you have built that house on a solid rock foundation, yeah, you might lose a few shingles. Yes, that roof might get a little crooked, but your house will stand essentially what Jesus is saying here. He's telling us that the best preparation for the future is to do something now with your foundation. Organize your life around the teachings of Jesus. Verse 26, and he kind of tells the other half of the story. He said, but everyone who hears these words of mine, so both people, both, he's talking about two different people. The first person hears these words of his. Second person hears the words of his. But then the difference between the two is, and does not put them into practice. The first one puts them into practice. one who does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I didn't say this. Jesus said this. You're a fool if you build your house on the sand. It's pretty direct here. Praise saying, if you decide to, to do your life, to do your marriage, to do your finances, to do all of those things, whatever else you do in life, contrary to what he teaches, that is foolish. That is foolish. It's unwise. His audience is like, yeah, I mean, who would do that? Who would, who would build his house on the sand? That's dumb. And Jesus is like, I know, right? But yet people build their house on the sand. What's up with that? Listen, it's obedience, not simply belief that makes all the practical difference in our lives. Listen, believing in your heart that Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, that gets you rock solid with him. But what practically makes a difference in your life from that point on is obedience to him, is walking in obedience. And that looks, that looks difficult Sometimes. To be honest with you, I know for me, I know if I go back to my, you know, 40 years ago when I first gave my life to Christ, I I look back and I'm like, yeah, that was, I mean, I felt like every time I walked out of church, it was like a list of 18 things I needed to fix in my life because I was, there was, there was so much sin in my life. And I had choices to make at that time. I could have said, forget this, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. But I was feeling challenged, not just by my church, but by the Holy Spirit, to organize my life around the teachings of Jesus. I wanted to please my Lord and Savior. And so I was incrementally making choices and decisions. And essentially, what I was doing is I was building a foundation. It's obedience. The outcome of your life has everything to do with the practice of obedience. Verse 27, he says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. This part right here, beat against that house, from from here to here is exact same, the exact same words of verse 25, the other person. Essentially what Jesus is saying is the same storms, the same wind, the same water, the same, beats the same house. They're exactly the same. The same challenge in life come our way. But two different outcomes. The first outcome is that that house stood. The second outcome is that it fell with a great crash. And so this parable, as we're talking about, is going to strike us all in one of three ways. It's going to strike us either as comfort. For some of you, this is going to be comforting. For others of you, it's going to be kind of a warning And for some of you, it's going to be an explanation. For some of you, it's going to be a comfort because years ago, you decided to organize your life around the teachings of Christ. It changed how you handled your money. It changed how you did your dating. It changed how you did your married life. It changed how you raised your kids, how you think, your worldview stuff. It changed how you behaved at work. By the way, that's important too, okay, you don't just get to have best behavior here and then not at work <laughs> as a follower of Christ. And see, that's what it does, right? When you decide, I'm going to organize my life around the teachings of Christ, it changes how I behave, you know, in, even in the, in the public sphere. So this parable should come to you as a comfort. In that Jesus is saying, you're smart, Because way before you even knew what the outcomes were going to be, you put faith in him, you put your trust in him to organize your life around his teachings. And now, now you're seeing the benefit of it. Like years ago, you decided you were going to be generous. You felt that challenge. I remember the very first time somebody, you know, at church, I felt challenged to tithe. I was like, I mean, all I was tithing was 10 bucks. I made $100 a week. $10 was my tithe. And you would have thought you were pulling teeth. Like I mean, I was like, oh, put the ten dollar in the offering bag is so hard. That's how I acted. You know? And it was an offering bag. And here's a it's a funny thing about offering bags. We we had this in our in our in our Puerto Rican church too that I had sorry, I know we have some Puerto Ricans here. Uh but we had the offering bag, you know. We could do the you know in Spanish, El El Disimulo, you know, the 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 fake, the fake offering. You know <laughs> like You can act like you have something in your hand and then stick it in the bag and then pull your hand out empty. But there was nothing really in your hand in the first place. You know, you just, I don't know if they actually did that or not. But I just, that's how I felt because I saw a lot of hands go in the bag. And then when I count the offerings, like, where where did the money go? You know, like it just miraculously disappeared. I remember the first time I felt that conviction to start tithing. And it was so hard. I made a commitment on the front end. Jesus, I'm going to organize my life around your And You call me. To, and this is so hard. God, give me grace. Help me, help me to understand why. And it's been a practice of mine now for 40 years. And so when we go through economic recession like we're going through now and things are hard and things are tough, I say, Lord, I don't, you know, we have to cut corners. We have to not do this. We have to not do that. But God, I I committed myself 40 years ago to be faithful to you in this area and so I know you're going to take care of me. I can say that with confidence. When you hit that relationship bump in your life and things are going tough in your relationships you can you can say to God to the best of my ability I have organized my life around your teachings and I know that you're going to take care of my relationships. So it can come to you as as comfort. For others of you, this is going to be a warning because you may be young and you might think that you have time. You might think that, yeah, I, I had these conversations. I actually. I, it generally starts like this. I know I shouldn't be X, but, and then we use a list of excuses, and then the idea is I'll get to it kind of thing. And it's this notion of time that we have, as if we have Time. And so we think that if I could just, you know, I mean, yeah, it's happening right now, but you know, I'll get to it. I'll be able to change it then in the future. And the problem is we have just a very narrow view, a narrow understanding of time. Our time frame is way off. Because sometimes we think that what we can do is if I could just make a decision today, then I'm gonna reap the benefits next week. And that's not how it works. That's not how you build a foundation. There's a lot of work in building this foundation. I mean, when it comes to a life, (laughs) it's a lifetime of work. You're building this foundation. You're organizing your life around the teachings of Christ. And you're laying a brick. And you're doing this. And you're doing that over time. That's how it benefits you. And so if maybe your time frame is a little bit off, this should come to you as a warning. Now is the time to make a decision. You know, sometimes I think we, there's a lot of regret that we kind of walk through because we think, well, you know, if I just, honestly, when water is seeping into your foundation, that's not the moment. There's no benefit to regretting not doing it right in the first place. I mean, you could regret it, but it doesn't do anything doesn't fix it, doesn't change anything. Oops, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have moved in with him. I shouldn't have bought that. I shouldn't have done this impulsively. I mean, those things, yes, they're true, and you can feel regret over that, but there is no practical benefit to it. And so when you hear this parable, it should come to you as a warning. Basically, Jesus is sitting across the table from you and saying, listen, I know, I know that what you're hearing and what you're reading feels hard to do, but you are building a foundation for the rest of your life. Your time frame is the rest of your life. And so the question, here's a challenge for us. The challenge for us when it comes to this stuff is, and really the big question is, do we trust? Do I trust Jesus? Because the day I said, I surrender my life to you, I could not imagine at that moment, 40 years ago, I couldn't imagine at that moment what my life was going to look like 40 years later. I mean, I, want, I would have liked to. I, would have, I had ideas maybe. My ideas are usually built on my own desires and will and wants. But I could not imagine what God had in store for my life 40 years later. And so the question for me at that moment, 40 years ago, was will you trust me? Will you trust me with your life? And so I have this image of Jesus sitting across the table from us. We think we have a lot of time. We think we have, a few, we have a lot of future in front of us. He sits across the table from us. Listen, I know it's hard for you to see this, but I'm asking you, will you trust me with your life? Will you start organizing your life around what I'm telling you you should do? Because I know your future. You don't actually know your, I know your future. And your future is best served if you start today trusting me. This parable also is going to come as an explanation for some of you because you're right in the middle of a major life storm. Things are falling apart. Maybe you're asking yourself questions like, God, do you even see me? Do you even know that I'm here? Now, I'm not saying this. This, I'm not saying this to condemn. It's, not a, it's just an explanation. That's all it is. It's not condemnation. It's not for you to walk away and say, man, I shouldn't have made all this. Yeah, you already feel that way. I'm not going to try to make you feel worse. Just trying to explain what it is. The good thing about the Lord that we serve is that there's grace and there's forgiveness. And yes, you know what? Sometimes we have to walk through consequences of the choices and decisions that we've made. But when we walk through those consequences with Christ, it's amazing how he can rebuild a life. Some of the best stories I get to hear is when somebody in their 40s and 50s says, man, I gave my life to Jesus. And then you watch what's happening in their life over the course of the next few years after that. And you're like, man, this is a beautiful story. Yes, it was a train wreck before that. But man, look what God is doing now. And so yes, this might just be an explanation for you if you're struggling right now but you can also put your faith and your trust in him now. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. We're going to end with a time of worship. Cedar Rapids and Wilton, you guys will stand as well. We're going to have a moment here. We're, I, I just I want to pray for you. I, I, I wish I could tell you what I love right now about our life, my wife and I, our life, is that I have a vantage point that I that I start becoming clearer for me. Like I'm able to look back. I mean, I could, obviously I could look back 60 years, but that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. My faith life. I can look back 40 years of when I first gave my life to Jesus, and um, yeah, not everything has been easy in those 40 years. But way back then, we made a decision. I made a decision that this is hard to change my habits, to change the things that I'm doing. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand why you want me to give 10%, but okay, I'll, I'll start doing that. Those kind of things, you know, questions I had 40 years ago. <clears throat> the cool thing about a vantage point, and I have a 40-year vantage Some of you have like longer vantage point. Sorry to point at you guys. I pointed people out in the front row. They're like, she just smiled at me. She was very gracious. You <laughs> uh, have a longer vantage point. And what makes sometimes brings me to tears is to look past, look to my past and see God, you've been so, so faithful. When I, when I first made that decision back then, I didn't understand it. I wasn't sure. I was scared. I didn't really want to do it. But now looking ahead, I see, God, how you have faithfully walked with me all these years and you've not let us down. And I love that. And I want you to have that. If you're here and this is a warning or this is an explanation, I want you to have that in your life. It pays off. Amen. I want to pray for us. All right, we have prayer teams here in left and right. And if you're here this morning and you like prayer, maybe you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time today, we encourage you to do that. Also, let us know there's a communication card in the back seat there, in a the seat back in front of you, that you could um, let us know that you've made that decision. We'd like to walk with you on that. Uh, but we have prayer teams here. I encourage you to step out and pray with our prayer teams um, while, while we're worshiping. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace and your loving kindness. We thank you, Father, that you've given us your word. Sometimes your word is very convicting and challenging. Other times your word brings peace and joy. Sometimes, Father, obeying what you tell us to do is, is really challenging. It requires trust and it requires faith. And so God, I'm just asking you this morning that you would help us, every single one of us in this room, to walk out of this building with a resolve to organize our lives around your teachings to make the deliberate choice and decision to surrender my way for your way. So will you help us, Lord? Will you help us, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name?